May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. This week, we're going to talk about the trial that everybody in the world is talking about, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. I am very excited. I am joined today by Dr. Tracy Pearson, who is a legal analyst. Good morning, Dr. Pearson. How are you? Good morning. How are you? It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. Dr. Pearson and I first ran into each other on the Law and Crime Network, where both of us have been appearing as legal analysts on this case and on other cases. So I was going to ask you a favor to start out this episode, Dr. Pearson, for anybody who's listening and doesn't know about this trial, if there exists such a creature, could you summarize what's going on in a minute? I can try. The case involves Johnny Depp, famed celebrity out here in Los Angeles, where I am. And uh, he has filed a lawsuit in Virginia seeking damages for defamation and defamation per se as a result of his ex-wife, Amber Heard, also a celebrity, and an op-ed that she wrote that was published originally in the Washington Post and then reposted on the internet version of the Washington Post. And then I believe also reposted either on Twitter or Instagram by Amber Heard. All right. And he's suing her for $50 million and she's suing him for calling her a liar for $100 million. Is that about right? That's about right. The, the interesting piece about Amber Heard's case is that she's doing it as a result of actions that Johnny Depp's former lawyer engaged in involving a case over in the UK uh, that related to Johnny Depp suing the son for calling him a wife beater as a result of Amber Heard's statements. Yeah, the case has a long history. I mean, the publication was in 2018. The facts at issue go back to 2016 when they were married and even past that. Right now, I'm calling this the halftime show because the trial is on a week-long break. The judge had a prior commitment, so there is a week of nothing happening in the court. We have had so far, I think, 15 days of trial most of which was Johnny Depp's case in the last few days have been Amber Heard. And we also learned, I just learned late last week that there are time limits in this trial, right? Yes, I, I learned that last week too, that, that the judges set time limits and uh, it seems as if Johnny Depp is using less time than Amber Heard did. Yes, because the time limits count both your direct case and your cross-examination and probably your opening and closing statements. And any time you're up there talking, the clock is ticking and you have to be very strategic about what to do. All right. So Johnny Depp's side put on, I think, 30 or almost 30 witnesses to talk about a whole host of issues. But it seems to me, and you can agree or disagree, that this case is going to come down to the relative credibility of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. It's going to come down to, I think, the credibility of Amber Heard, but, but absolutely both of them. Okay, so Johnny Depp was on the stand for four days for direct and cross-examination, and he said... I can't condense four days into this podcast, but he said basically he was never physically violent with her in any way, shape or form. What did you think of his performance on direct and on cross? 
I thought that he owned the things that were were negative about him. So he he owned his responsibility for his drug use and his alcohol use. And he also owned his behavior towards Amber when he made certain statements, even his behavior towards various cabinetry that he was punching. So I think he did well there. I think he also did well in diffusing with humor. I think it would be very hard for any witness to sit there and have to deal with with the cross-examination that he dealt with. And he was able to do so with humor as opposed to getting angry. So I thought he did really well there. Yeah, I agree. I thought he did a great job. I thought he handled a long cross-examination very effectively, exactly as you said. And I also thought that Amber Heard's team made a mistake a few times by trying to put on some evidence out of context to make things look worse than they were. By way of example, they made much of a text exchange he had with another actor which to me is an obvious reference to a Monty Python movie. And they tried to make it look like he was saying he was going to burn the witch Amber Heard. And I I thought that was a stretch. What did you think about that? I agree with you. I felt like they were taking every single tiny little thing they could to try to make a case. And to me, that's always a red flag. If you don't have some big moments here, that can get in and establish either, you know, a lack of credibility or to establish facts. I mean, she ultimately isn't the person that has to prove things. She's defending herself, but he has to prove the case by clear and convincing evidence now, now that he's cleared by a preponderance of the evidence and cleared that motion to strike or what, what we would call a motion to dismiss. And so he's done that. And she only needed to get on the stand and just make allegations or, or make statements, establish proof of abuse by a couple of things. She went beyond, she went, she went before the marriage and just continued to just talk. And it was, it was painful. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You said you thought Amber Heard's credibility is the most important thing in the case. I agree with that. She started off her case by putting on an expert witness. There are dueling psychologists in the case. I don't think we have time to get into that, although it is interesting. But then she's been on the stand for two days. It's been direct testimony only. We haven't seen any cross-examination. It will finish after this week-long break. And I hear you saying, and I know because we've talked before this, you have issues with her credibility. I do. She came into her, her direct examination already damaged. And I, and I know we're not going to focus on experts, but an expert for Johnny Depp did testify about various personality disorders that go directly to credibility in many ways. And so she was already damaged going into it. And uh, I don't think her expert did her any favors. But when she got on the stand, she immediately lost me when she started out with, this is the most difficult thing that I've ever done. Because she's already done this multiple times. She did it in depositions. She did it in, in a UK trial. And now she was there doing it again. She did it with her, her expert. She did it with Depp's expert in telling her story. And so she immediately lost me as being with hyperbole. So that was one of the things that I found difficult with her. The other piece is that I'm looking for corroboration. And so I'm looking at the existence of corroboration as well as the degree of that corroboration. And I, at least during her testimony, she didn't have pictures of things that she should have had in theory pictures of since she had pictures of purportedly other things, which I didn't necessarily buy. She also had a reputation for truthfulness problem. In Johnny Depp's case, they were able to establish that she had lied about how much money she had paid the ACLU, which she had made a public statement that she was going to pay. 
a portion of money to the ACLU and to CHLA, so the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And that was that was money that she got in the divorce from Johnny Depp. She was getting a big chunk of money and made a big public to do that it was going to be paid into charity. She did. And then she went and said she, in fact, did pay it. There's an interview where she says that, multiple interviews, and it was established that she didn't do that. That's an issue. And then there was her demeanor. And there were sort of, I would divide into three categories, sort of inconsistent behavior, um, rapidly changing behavior, and questionable behavior. And normally I wouldn't look at demeanor because I don't think demeanor is necessarily an indication of truthfulness. When I think about credibility, I'm thinking about lots of different factors, but truthfulness is part of it. But because she is an actor, I am looking at her demeanor. Okay. Well, I think that's all fair. So my view of this is a little bit different. I am not ready to disbelieve her yet. And I say that for the following reasons. One, I start with a strong belief that what a alleged victim of domestic violence is telling is the truth. That is where I start. That is going to be my premise in every one of these situations. And I'm a little bit concerned that this case is going to be a standard bearer for allegations of domestic abuse, because I don't think it should be, and I hope people won't treat it that way. But I'm going to start with that supposition. I hear everything you're saying about her demeanor on the stand, that it looks rehearsed, and I agree with it. I'm willing to look past that because she is an actor by trade and because I expected her to prepare. But I'm waiting to see the corroboration, which you have asked for, I think correctly so. And I'm waiting to see what happens on cross-examination because I want to see the end of her testimony. I want to see how effective the cross is. And I'm going to wait until then to pass judgment. So I am not ready to dismiss her credibility yet. I agree with you, by the way, that there are some prior instances where she has demonstrated credibility problems. Yeah, I think that when she can turn on and turn off her emotional state at the drop of a hat, when they go to sidebar, it's as if a director said cut, and then she becomes overly emotional again. I think that 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 was a signifier to me. Um, There's some footage of her sniffing something. I don't believe that she actually was sniffing an illicit substance. Actors are known to use menthol sticks to cause tears. And one of the issues the day before this happened was that she didn't show a tear and that took to the airwaves. And so, you know, it seems as if she may have tried to account for that. It's certainly not sort of a normal thing that you would sniff into a tissue when you're crying. So there's some, you know, you're looking at behavior that is out of the norm. You know, if you see somebody wearing a, a jacket and it's, it's hot out and it's a heavy puffy coat, it looks out of the norm. And so you look closer. And I think that that's what I'm doing with watching her as I'm seeing behavior that's not normal. It's an interesting thing, though. You get to do a lot of things the jury will never get to do because we're out here watching this gavel-to-gavel coverage of this trial and clips all over the internet and TikTok. And like the tissue thing has been slowed down and put out there on social media. And you and I can look at it in slow motion. In the jury box, that thing happened and it's over and they never got to see it again. 
And we assume that. I mean, we assume that jurors are are going to follow the court's order that they not see anything or review anything, read anything, talk about anything. And the reality is, is that they've got a week off and they're on Twitter, just like we're on Twitter and they're on Facebook, just like we're on Facebook and and Instagram, too. And I think that's probably going to be an unreasonable expectation that they're going to avoid everything. Yeah, I think the week off in that respect is bad for Amber Heard because certainly the social media support is much stronger for Johnny Depp, much stronger. I have questions about the authenticity of that, but authentic or not, there it is. What do you think Johnny Depp needs to do to get a win here? And by a win, I mean prove his case that she defamed him and obtain money damages? Well, I think that she has to, let me, let me say that she wasn't doing herself a favor towards, you know, the, I think the, the back end of her testimony on the, the second day. I suspect, based on reviewing her, her nursing notes, which are available as part of evidence, that she was taking Inderol, which sort of lessens your, your reaction to things, and that was wearing off because she started to forget stuff. And her lawyer had to sort of feed her things. So I think that that what I expect that is that Johnny Depp is going to attack her credibility based on the statements about Kate Moss that seemed to grab attorney Ben Shu's uh, attention when she made those statements. And, and I know that those statements originally were things that he could not get in because uh, it was deemed sort of outside the realm of, of, of relevantness. But when she brought it in, I think that made it fair game. I also think that, you know, based on hearing Dr. Curry, who was John, John Depp's expert, I think that a carefully planned cross-examination might produce the behaviors that were the things that Johnny Depp testified about, quick to anger, an inability to control her reaction to things. Right. Well, that I mean, if you can make her explode on cross-examination, then you've really accomplished something. And uh, I'm sure they're prepping the heck out of her to try to prevent that from happening. I've done it. I've done it not to her, but I've done it to other witnesses many times <laughs> in my career. Yeah. You know, I would go into her cross-examination early, establishing any of these inaccuracies that I could, the stuff about the payment to the ACLU, that kind of stuff. Where the cross-examination is going to be hard, I think, is challenging her on her very specific and detailed testimony about physical abuse and even some sexual abuse. I think that's a very difficult area to cross-examine a witness on. I agree with you when the witness hasn't been so overly detailed, but if they cross-examine her on it and she misstates anything that she stated in her direct, I think that also causes her problems. One of the things that she said is that she had been walking out of the bedroom and that he slapped her and she turned around. Well, I saw, and it was a great comment, so I'm stealing it, I'm appropriating it. Were you moonwalking out of the bedroom when he did that? Because where did he slap you that that happened? You know, there's just inconsistencies with the way she describes things and she gets lost in her own statements. By contrast, what do you think Amber Heard needs to do to win? And for her, I'm going to say not only, well, let's start with just defeating Johnny Depp's defamation claim. She has to produce witnesses that don't just parrot what she's saying, but that can establish some credible proof of corroboration that undercut other witnesses that have testified in Johnny Depp's case about certain situations. For example, 
alleged assaults that occurred where the allegation is that that she stepped in front of Johnny Depp to keep him from assaulting his sister when in fact Johnny Depp says that no and his witnesses say that no the security guard stepped in to keep Amber from assaulting Johnny that has been a theme throughout this that Amber is the aggressor in this and that is supported to a degree by their joint marriage therapist Right. Uh, one thing I find fascinating about this trial is because each side has the burden of proof on their defamation claim. There is a possibility, and I don't think it's a small possibility, that everybody could lose. That a jury could say, well, Johnny Depp didn't prove by a preponderance of evidence that the article that was written was inaccurate about him. And she didn't prove by a preponderance of evidence that she's not a liar, and therefore nobody wins. Or another possibility is that one side or the other wins, but the jury thinks the damages aren't attributable to the comments given so much other public attention that was being paid to both of these. What do you think about that? Where do you think we're headed? Yeah, you know, Jesse Weber, the anchor from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on on Long Crime, always tries to get me predict, and I refuse because many times I've been incorrect because I sit in a very different position than the average juror, right? And so do you. I think that that there is a possibility they both could lose. I think that as far as money damages, this was never about money for Johnny Depp. This was about getting the information out. Uh, Amber Heard's team did not want cameras in the courtroom. And so Johnny Depp won that argument and cameras are in the courtroom. And so we're seeing everything. And so the idea behind this case for him is to reestablish his reputation in, in the Hollywood community as not being who, who Amber Heard says he is. And he's doing that because I'm in Los Angeles and I'm hearing all of the buzz. And I think that Amber is losing the reputation fight. She fired her, her PR firm just before her, her case in chief. So I think that and I think she's still losing that PR fight. And so I think she's doing damage to herself. I got to tell you, if I were Johnny Depp's lawyer, I don't know that if they approached me with a settlement offer, I'd take it, or at least until after I cross-examine Amber. Well, that was interesting because that's where I was headed next. I've been saying ever since Johnny Depp testified and did well, that he ought to settle the case. And my theory about that is that he has been winning the public relations fight here. He is getting the positive feedback. He has managed to rehabilitate his image. And for him, if he takes the case all the way to the end, he either gets a jury verdict in his favor that doesn't change anything. But if he loses, he can get a big step back from everything he's managed to do already. And and for Amber Heard, She has obviously a tremendous risk that she gets to the end of this trial and she loses the defamation claim and there's a big money verdict against her and her reputation is just forever destroyed. And it seems to me the last opportunity the two of them have to cut off that risk. And that's why I would tell them both, settle the case now. You buying it? I don't know. I, you know, again, it's just money for her. She's never going to pay. Assuming there there was a verdict against her, she's never going to pay for it. It's 50 million. She's worth about eight, uh, according to public records. And so she's never going to pay for it. Potentially there's, there's a bankruptcy going on there. You know, there's definitely going to be appeals on both sides. I think that 
as far as, as the publicity, again, I think the idea here was to tell the story. And even if the jury comes back with a, with a negative verdict for Johnny Depp, I think that, that it would be something that, frankly, based on the, the buzz that I'm seeing, would be disregarded as the jury got it wrong. Right. Well, that's true. And that's why I, you may be right about that. Maybe a jury verdict isn't going to matter because now in the social media environment we live in, people make up their minds and they don't care what a jury says or what a judge says or what anybody says. I mean, there's already been some op-eds that have been written by Hollywood folk that say, maybe we were wrong about this. So I think that's significant that the tide is maybe turning. I am concerned, just like you are, that people are going to treat this as some sort of referendum on domestic violence cases, because the case has domestic violence in it. That's the core of it. But ultimately, it's about defamation. Can you make the statements that you're making? And I think that I come from sort of a different spot because I did workplace investigations. In addition to practicing law, I did workplace investigations. And so I come from a different space of, I listen to you, but I'm not going to take it what you say is as true unless I'm trying to determine whether to investigate. So if I'm trying to determine whether to investigate, I take it as true. I take all inferences in your favor. And that's one of the things that Johnny Depp has in his favor. The law in Virginia says they have to take all inferences in his favor. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that once we've passed that point in, in you know, my view, once we pass the point of, okay, I'm going to move forward with something, now we have to establish proof. And so I don't take it as true. My brain goes back and forth like a seesaw in these cases. And so I know that I've been fairly consistent in the public statements that I've made about it, but my brain does go back and forth like a seesaw, like, oh, but that was a good point. Oop, nope, oh, nope, uh, lost it on that. And so I think that a lot of people think that way. I mean, I, I'd like to think a lot of people think that way, you know, or at least a juror hopefully is, that they're checking the information as they go along. I think that Jesse Weber mentioned that they were taking careful notes, so uh, especially of Amber's testimony. So and that tells jury- me- And the jury, unlike the rest of us, the jury is sitting there in a room with the two of them for eight to 10 hours a day. The jury is watching the testimony from a distance of, I don't know, six feet and gauging the reaction of the other person while the other one is testifying. You know, the jurors in there for all of that. And there's a reason that we put the power of decision in disputes like this in the hands of a jury. It would be interesting to see what a jury did with this. I still think the case should settle, but what, what can I say? That's just me. Uh, one interesting thing about this week-long break is that when the testimony wrapped up last week, both sides put out a, a statement, which is fascinating. I mean, as a general matter, when you do trials, you try not to talk to the press. Now, obviously, this is a way different trial, and it's a trial in part to the public. So I understand it. But what did you think of the public relations statements made at the end of last week? The public relations statements generally, I, you know, I, I was from New England. I moved to Los Angeles and they try cases in the press out here in LA. And I've been saying Hollywood has moved to Fairfax County and it has with this public relations statements. I thought that Johnny Depp's was, she put on a performance all of a lifetime and I told the truth and the truth is the same every time you tell it. It was, it was fairly benign in that way. I do think. But 
hers was a scorched earth statement and commented on his demeanor, commented on all sorts of things. And it sounded vicious. And it was, I think it was designed to be vicious. And that only goes to this, this actual malice that Johnny Depp has to prove. She is up there, I believe, you know, providing such, I believe, misleading detail. And then now there's public statements issued. And so to me, that's where I'm getting this feel of like, yeah, this is vengeance. This is a vengeance thing. And for her, at least on the side of her case. And, you know, you said me, I'm going to sue you. And I was really troubled by those statements. Yeah, I, I thought hers. I mean, I thought they were both a little more than you wanted to say at this stage of the trial. The one issue I had with the the statement by Depp's team is they say the upcoming cross-examination will be most telling. And I was a little bit worried about predicting that you're going to have a great cross-examination before you have a great cross-examination. That is a good strategy if you do very well on cross-examination. And if you don't, it's not such a good strategy. Agreed. Yeah, I would have been lowering expectations. Yeah. One other thing, Dr. Pearson, I find it remarkable. We seem to be having a sea of defamation cases. We have Johnny Depp. We have Sarah Palin. We have Trevor Bauer, the baseball player. We have Black China. We have these defamation cases all over the place. What's going on? You know, I think that they have found a vehicle, folks have found a vehicle, public figures have found a vehicle to try to rehabilitate their reputations, but also to, I hope not, but I I believe that this is probably the case in some of those circumstances, to use the justice system as a way of of seeking retribution for statements made about them. These cases, anti-slap statutes uh, exist around the country, which are an attempt to try to protect against litigation abuse, but they aren't foolproof. And so I think that they are managing to get around those those protections and use the system for for whatever purpose they need it for. Ultimately, these a lot of these folks, like some of the folks that you mentioned, Sarah Palin, they had bad reputations before all of this. So I think that what we're seeing is is smart lawyers who are using the legal system to achieve the goals that their clients are seeking. And it's people fighting back to this perception of a cancel culture. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And to some degree, I think it isn't unwarranted. But I I do think that, I mean, I take issue with cancel culture anyway. People walk with their feet, right? And they talk with their feet and with their money and and whatnot. But I do think that that it is an attempt to sort of push back on that and to, to try to rehabilitate themselves. Well, I'm really happy to have you here. We get to, when we're on Law and Crime, we get to talk about a a minute a turn. So this is a little better. But Dr. Pearson, tell me a little more about your background and what you do out in the world right now. What I do out in the world right now, um, I am a researcher, a consultant, a uh, investigator, and I work on issues of implicit bias in workplace investigations. So my focus right now is, is on writing some publications about those issues and about a study that I did. Um, I also appear on Long Crime Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, which for me is 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. at Pacific. And I'm typically on with Jesse Weber and I fill in when there are cancellations. And I am the host of my own show, Deep Dive with Dr. Tracy. We are in hiatus right now. We're bringing it back. And we, uh, we do a lot of deep dives into very specific issues. You can find that show on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. You can find it on my website, tracy.media. 
And um, I also appear on a lot of podcasts. So if you search Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can probably find me there. All right. Well, I've seen a lot of your analysis. It's really good, which is one reason I wanted to have you on here. I now have the Friday morning 9 to 12 spot on Law and Crime Network, but hopefully we will find a way to cross over again. We are two weeks away from closing argument in the Johnny Depp case. The judge has said that she's going to hear closing arguments on the last Friday of the month, which I guess is when the case times out to be done. But we do closing arguments at the end of this podcast as well. So do you have a closing argument you want to make as to the current state of this trial or what to expect or what it all means? I think that we should expect, based on representations, that Johnny Depp's team is going to spend a bulk of their time in cross-examining Amber Heard and trying to get her to nail down her statements and to make inconsistent statements so that they can impeach her. She is definitely impeachable. Her behavior with the ACLU and CHLA and public statements about those things, you cannot ignore that she lied. And that's really going to tarnish her in the eyes of the jury. But at the end of the day, I am also concerned that their strategy is he abused drugs, therefore he abused Amber Heard. She made a statement, I want to say this, she made a statement on the stand that was just unbelievable. She was referencing his substance, uh, substance abuse, I mean use problem. And it was just so contrived. And I felt like those types of things are going to hurt her in the eyes of the jury. But at the end of the day, this case has never been about money damages. It's never been about what normal people sue about. This is about reputation. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether Johnny Depp can continue to, to sort of ride this wave back up to where he was before all of this happened. All right. Well, it's a fascinating case. I don't know what's going to happen. As I said, I want to see the rest of her evidence and I want to see her get cross-examined. I expect, by the way, Johnny Depp will testify again in rebuttal to some of the things she said, right? He has to do that, doesn't he? I think he does. And I know that we're definitely going to see Dr. Curry because she's been there throughout the trial. Yeah. So we're going to see Johnny Depp and his psychologist expert again. So I want to see all of that. And then we'll see how the case shakes out. I have no horse in it. But as I said before, I really hope this case does not become a referendum or a bellwether on domestic abuse allegations. We have done such a good job in this country of moving the conversation to a point where we believe people who say they are the victims of domestic violence. We listen to them and we try to do something about it. And it would be very disappointing if this Hollywood marriage, which was not such a Hollywood marriage, led us in another direction. Dr. Pearson, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk to you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at tartarkrinsky.com. You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. 
I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief.